great to be here. Don't get here real often, except during the holidays. It's great to be here with Claire and Calista. Here we go. This is um, Mary Did You Know. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you sight to a blind man. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm a storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? And when you kiss your little baby, songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. 
Alrighty, we have a short video to start with. Oh, this life is given, everyone a present, beautiful, shiny, and new. Everyone but you. Golden ribbons, diamonds, line everyone's path that leads to wide open doors. Everyone's but yours. Wide open doors. Hold on. thought that was cute, fitting the season of Christmas just being passed, and, uh, well, I wanted you guys to think about the porcupine and the concept behind it. It's not the animal that I was focusing on, but think of the porcupine as an individual in your life or the world as a whole. Because we all have people in our lives that are sometimes difficult to deal with. And we have experienced different situations. And our human nature tells us to puff up and poke back at the people who may poke at us. So the the porcupine has a defense mechanism. And... He'll stick those quills into whatever's close by when he feels the need. Those quills will stay in you. The quills, um, I'm going to point your minds to, is being our words. And they stay there, and they cause hurt, pain, resentment, anger. And it sours the relationships we have with people. I want to start with uh, a few scriptures here. We're actually going to dig through our Bibles, if you all have your Bibles with you. Let's go to the Bible to see what the Bible has to say about these things. Starting in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 28 through 32, I think that Paul has a clue because he gives us warning. Starting in verse 28, it reads, But even if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if the virgin marries, she has not sinned. Nevertheless, such will have trouble in the flesh. But I would spare you. But this I say, brethren, the time is short. 
so that from now on even those who have wives should be as though they had none, those who weep as though they did not weep, those who rejoice as though they did not rejoice, those who buy as they did not possess, and those who use this world as not misusing it. For the form of this world is passing away. But I want you to be without care. He who is unmarried cares for the things of, this, of the Lord, how he may please the Lord, but he who is married cares about the things of the world. This selection of text here obviously is pointing at married couples, but I want you to focus on um, the different aspects that go into this. When you choose to be married or you choose to have a relationship with somebody, it could be anybody, it could be even a friendship. Um, we converse, and that's what builds that friendship. Sometimes there's hardships in it. But we have to nurture that relationship. We have to put our attention at that relationship, at that individual. Here Paul's saying, your focus is divided. He wants us to put our attention solely at the Lord, but when we have relationships with other people, our attention is divided and we have to give them what they need. This is going to be pointed us all back to what God is asking us to do in in every situation. Moving on, we're going to go to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 29 says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. So we're called to love one another and forgive. Right here where it's pointing us to our speech. How often do we uh, be hurt by something somebody says and we think for a moment and we respond? Are we responding out of love? Or do we have something else in our heart that's filling our voice, our words? It says bitterness and anger needs to be put away. Can we speak love and anger at the same time? We're going to stay there in Ephesians. I uh, termed this section called corrupt communication. It is more than just vile or vulgar language. That's what I want to point our minds to. It's anything that removes the view of Christ from your mind. How, How we respond, how we retort. Do we have Christ? Or are we responding in a way that's blotting out sympathy and love from our soul? So it is rather sentiments of unchristlike character. 
Ephesians 5, starting out in verses 1 and 2. Therefore be imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love as Christ also has loved us, and giving himself for us in offering and in sacrifice of God for a sweet-smelling aroma. In every situation we find ourselves, are we, uh, the world around us, are they looking at us? Are they seeing Christ in our character? Are they feeling an encounter with something more than what this world has to offer? As Christians, that's, that should be the aroma that is filling the circle of influence that we have each and every moment. Moving to verses 3 through 5, Ephesians 5. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, let it not be named among you as fitting for saints neither filthiness nor foolish talking nor coarse gesting, which are not fitting but rather giving thanks. For this you know that no fornicator, unclean person, nor covetousness man who is an idolater has any inheritance of the kingdom of Christ and God. My version here says coarse gesturing, foolish talking. Other versions might say other things. Um, my occupation is in construction, and that's basically what you hear on a daily basis all day long is this coarse gesturing or inappropriate humor. What is, what is this saying? It's saying we as Christians, we as followers of Christ, there is no place for that in our life. Can we be speaking the love of Christ and be speaking in these, these ways the Bible talks against? We need to put our attention here. Moving along, chapter 5, Ephesians, verse 17 through 21. Therefore, do not be unwise... But understand that the will of the Lord is, and do not be drunken with wine and with dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting one another in the fear of God. What is this telling us? In many places, you go, you go anywhere in this world and you got background music drowning for your attention. Sometimes you can tone it out, but sometimes you end up singing with it. We all have a past. In my past, I used to listen to other things before I started walking with God. And in a moment... If I hear that come across a radio, or I hear someone else playing it some way, it comes back to your mind. It's, it's something, once you hear it, it's there. Your entire life, and you can draw on it in a moment's notice, just one thing makes you remember. And if you're not focusing your attention upward, you can find yourself going back to your past ways. This section of verse 
tells us how we should be speaking because the truth is, is our voice is a gift from God. Our words are a gift from God. How we use them is very important to the message. So we should be singing our songs in hymns, in the Psalms of David, spiritual songs, bringing others into a relation with Christ. Um, in one of the references in the Bible, it talks about how Christ met the world. People jested at him and whatnot. In the, and in his workshop, he would just hum his, his songs and his praises. He didn't let that outside world influence him in that way. Let's move along. This is kind of like uh, hunting for gemstones, Hiding the, finding these truths in the Bible that just come out at you, the preciousness of it. James chapter 1, verse 3. This is putting us on trial. My brethren, count it to all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your, patient, of your faith produces patience. How many of us need patience with those in the world, in our families? Faith must be tested. It's like a muscle. You go to the gym and you want to build muscle, you know that you have to get to that point where your muscles are fatigued to the point that they can't do anymore. You just want to quit. You want to stop. You're in pain. But this is precisely the moment when you need to keep going because that's when your muscles will start to grow, to stretch. Just like that, our faith has to be tested in order for it to become stronger. Though we go through many trials, we have to trust God through the trial, knowing that he knows the outcome. He gives us the trials that we need to bring us further in our walk. We need to embrace the process of change. It shows us who we are. When we're in the midst of a trial, are we showing the world the sweet spirit of Christ? Is the, the love that Christ has for us, is that being emanated from us? Remembering that these trials should result in us becoming closer to God. Staying right there in James, we're going to move to James 1, chapter, uh, verse 26. How many of us use a mirror? And when we look in the mirror, we ready ourselves for the day, thinking about what the world's going to see on the outside. But how often do we look at what the world's going to see from what comes from within inside of us? Such as God's moral looking glass we have here. If anyone among you thinks 
He is religious and does not bridle his tongue, but deceives his own heart. This one's religion is useless. We look and compare ourselves in the mirror to see what the world sees. This verse points our minds to use God's word as the mirror. When we compare ourselves, when we look into God's word, do we see what God sees? What, what does it reveal to us about ourselves? We are to compare our words, our spirit, and our actions to the word of God. Each and every time we speak, the places we go, remember the song from our childhood. Oh, be careful, little eyes, what you see. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. For the Father up above is looking down in love. Oh, be careful, little ears, what you hear. We need to take a account for our actions. We need to pay attention to what the world is, is viewing us because this is their interpretation of God. Many people don't read the Bible, don't want anything to do with it. And so we are exhibiting the Word of God through our words, through our actions. What, is, what does the world see? What does our, our spouse see? We're told uh, in many occasions to hate the things that God hates, but don't hate the people. Now, we're, we're moving into the end times here, and there's so much pain in the world. There's so much distress and, and things that you just can't wrap your mind around. These people that do horrific things, we have emotions dwell up inside of us. Are those emotions coming from a good place? Hence the porcupine. The world is the porcupine. And most of the time, that hard person or persons in your life is the one that needs the most love. True religion means living the word of God in our practical lives. We, we come here... We refresh ourselves. Tomorrow comes and we go back to our daily grind. Do we go back the same as we were? Or have we renewed ourselves and can take something with us that's changed us? Someone once told me the definition of insane is to expect something different when you don't give anything different for them to react to. Our professions are of no value without practical doing of the word. And we can think of the word professions in two ways. It can be a profession as I'm in construction. I'm an electrician. Some people are lawyers. That's a profession they chose. Or you can think of it as a profession of what you stand for, a profession of your faith. Either way you look at it, it's of no value without practically doing God's word. Let's move to James chapter 3.
James chapter 3 and verse 8. No man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. And I'm going to continue reading there. Verse 10. Out of the same mouth proceed the blessings and cursings. My brethren, these things ought not be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter at the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus, no spring yields both salt water and fresh. I've pondered on this verse many times. Growing up, living what I've lived, you hear your parents say that they love you, and in the next moment, they're yelling at you. Yes, the Bible tells us to give our children correction, but correction in love. Speech is one of the greatest gifts God has given us, and the tongue has set nation against nation. Think about how many of these wars that the earth has experienced, how do they begin? It amounts to one person starting something with another. They get followers. Eventually it becomes a nation against a nation because of something someone said or did. If we all had the sweet spirit of Christ, there would be no more wars. I'm going to jump over to Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21. It says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Our words have the power to bring life to someone else, or they have the power to destroy. If we criticize in just the right moment to someone who needs love, it may break them. Our words need to promote the Spirit of Christ, no matter what the situation. I have just a few other verses here. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Chapter 1, verse 16. They profess to know God, but in works they deny him, being an abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. And another verse that goes right with that is Isaiah 29, verse 13. Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honor me with their lips, are from me. Their fear toward me is taught by commandment of men. Therefore, behold, I will again do a marvelous work. 
I petition you, we remember who we are. That we look in the mirror, but not at our own outward reflection, but our inward. We, we find it easy to pray, to read our Bibles, to talk to people in God's light when we're happy, when we're in a good spirit, when things seem like they're going right. But how do we portray when things aren't quite so right? We can't be both. The world will fill the space. There's the law of space. The law of space says that two things can't occupy the same space at the exact same time. So the space of our mind is up to us to choose what occupies that space. If it's not occupied by Christ, by God's word, Satan will fill that space. The only way for us to be untainted by the world around us is to keep Christ in that space all the time. I want to turn to Romans chapter 8, verse 5 through 11. Chapter 8, verse 5 through 11 says, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. Now if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he is not his. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the Spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. That was going to be my closing text, but I found other. What is this pointing our minds to? To be carnally minded, to be minded of the things of this world. We know that the world's only getting worse with each passing day, month, year. And the Lord is coming. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. No matter how bad the things around us are, no matter what horrors we have to face, we can be at peace. If you remember some of the martyrs that were burned at the stake, 
And even amongst the fire, removing the flesh from their bones, they are singing praises to God as if they don't even feel the pain. When your heart is hid in Christ, the world can't affect you. We call ourselves Christians. I want to put this in your mind because I'd never thought about it like this before. What is the I-A-N on the end of the word Christian? If you think about all the different tribes, all different groups the Bible talks about, many of them end in the word I-A-N, the, the those three words, or three letters, that's the word I'm looking for, letters. Those three letters. It's a group of people. Christian is a group of people, Christ's people. And if we're taking the name Christian, are we not taking the Lord's name in vain if we are not living our lives the way the Bible tells us to? but we're calling ourselves Christians. So with that thought in mind, I want you to focus on self-improvement for the people around you. Take each other to the cross in prayer. Your loved ones, your spouse. Let not one idle negative word come from you, but take it to the cross. My closing text here comes from Psalms 139. And this has brought into my mind revelation. Not revelations, but Revelation. Psalm 139, verse 23 and 24. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there's any wicked way in me. And lead me in the way of everlasting. That is my prayer, is that the Lord will reveal to each of us the things that are not in line with his will, the things that do not show his love, the things that do not show that he is in your heart, and that those things can be changed. Because if Christ isn't in your heart, well, we don't have the life, we don't have the everlasting, we don't have the salvation. You may be wondering how that all came about with the whole porcupine. Carry yourself a box of packing peanuts if you need to. The world's a hard place, but we're called to be an example of Christ in it, no matter what the situation. And with end times, it's getting worse and worse and worse, so we've got to be a tougher people. We've got to show the love that so many people lack. And by doing so, We're going to show the gospel. We're going to show Christ 
and we're winning for him. Let us pray. Thank you, Lord, for this beautiful Sabbath day, for all the friends and all the faces I don't know. I pray, Lord, that your message has reached the hearts of who is intended. Please bless us each as we go about the rest of our activities this day. Walk close to us and help us be that change that is needed. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.